We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. The ultimate pro basketball preview presented by Odyssey and Locked On Podcast Network. Big names, big questions. Welcome to another episode of the Ultimate Pro Basketball Preview 2022 presented by Odyssey and the Lockdown Podcast Network. This six-episode series will answer every one of your lingering questions about the upcoming NBA season. Each episode will feature a Lockdown Roundtable with local experts covering every single team every day. A nothing but bet segment where we talk about some of the betting angles on this team. NBA expert Trista Crick will join us from the Heat Check podcast. Fantasy expert Josh Lloyd will join us as well from the Lockdown Fantasy Basketball Show. And then later in the series, the voice of NBA draft analysis and Lockdown NBA big board host Rafael Barlow will join us as well. I'm your host, Nick Engstead, daily host of Lockdown NBA and the Mavericks. But for this series, I will be your host as we visit the over 30 different uh, experts to get you ready for the NBA season ahead. If you missed our first three episodes, make sure to check out our contenders, Revenge Tour, and the On the Rise groups to hear about some of the best teams in the NBA, those looking to rebound, and the rising stars of the league today. It's time to get in with the big names, but also some big questions today. The Los Angeles Lakers, Anthony Davis, and LeBron James. Is it enough? Atlanta Hawks, adding DeJounte Murray. What will it bring? The Chicago Bulls, second year in their experiment with DeMar, DeMar DeRozan. The New York Knicks added Jalen Brunson and the Portland Trailblazers just trying to be an NBA team again. To kick us off, here's Trista Crick of Odyssey's Heat Check podcast breaking down which teams have the biggest questions from this group. To me, the biggest, biggest question marks are surrounding two teams, right? One on the East Coast, one on the West Coast. Both with fan bases that are delusional as all get out. Number one is the LA Lakers. Purple and gold, just a cloud of controversy surrounding them. When you asked me off camera, you said, what are the Lakers' biggest question? I said all of them. All of them. So many pressing questions. They all center around the point guard position, right? Like, what's happening with Russell Westbrook? It's very strange. Is he going to get moved? Is he going to be a six-man? Is he going to buy into this new role? I feel like this has kind of been what we've been asking about Russell Westbrook for years now. How is he going to adapt? Is he ever going to cut off ball? Is he ever going to be able to shoot jump shots? I know that these are the same old questions, but we haven't gotten any new answers. So the questions remain. They didn't have spacing and shooting. Do they now? Big question mark. Is Anthony Davis playing 82 games? Absolutely not. How many will he play? Big time question mark. So many questions on a team that has, I don't know, the best player of my generation trying to win another title and Rob Polinka doing absolutely nothing to surround him with people who will make him better. And then I think for me, I think you have to take it to the East Coast in the Knicks, right? Like the biggest question for them is you now have a point guard who can get you a bucket, 
But how does that actually influence the guy who loves to have the ball in his hand, Julius Randle? Are you going to get most improved player, Julius Randle? Or are you going to get what we saw him last year, which is him dribbling a million times and then stepping back at the very end of a shot clock? Just a random contested jumper, right? He doesn't need to play point guard anymore. That's good. He can play a much more natural position for his size. But he likes to have the ball in his hand, and he makes a lot of money, so you're going to need to figure out how to use him, and he's going to need to figure out how to buy in. Is that going to happen? I have no idea. Is he going to be a post-up shooter now? Is he a spot-up shooter? That's something I'm very curious about. And I also think another big curiosity is, how is Tim Tom Thibodeau going to coach? Because we know he loves those veterans. But it's a youth movement now, baby, and he needs to get on board or get on out. Welcome into the Ultimate Pro Basketball Preview 2022. This is the Locked On NBA Roundtable. We have Locked On shows for every single one of these teams daily, five days a week, covering all these teams. Coming to us from beautiful, breezy Chicago, we have <laughs> Pat the Designer from Locked On Bulls. All the way up in the Big Apple from New York, we have Alex Wolf from Locked On Knicks. All the way to the West Coast, the best coast in Portland, we have. Mike Richmond from Lockdown Blazers. And last but not least, from Los Angeles. Andy Kamenetsky, Lockdown Lakers. Ooh. Here we go. These are the teams we're going to talk about today. And these are teams, big names, big question. It's a, it's a random amalgamation of teams, but I think they all have one big thing in common. And that's that there's one big question for each of these teams. Let's start with the Lakers. Let's start with Andy Kamenetsky. I'm, I'm sure that you have not talked about this enough. What's the biggest question for the Lakers going into this season? <laughs> Trying to narrow it down to just one question. <laughs> but, um, I mean, it's really can LeBron James and Anthony Davis, especially Anthony Davis, stay healthy uh, and regularly on the court throughout the season? Like, there's a lot of other important questions. What does the team look like under first-time head coach Darvin Ham? How does Russell Westbrook fit in this year? Is he ex more accepting of a role that's closer to role player than superstar that everything orbits around like he's always been. Is this, you know, is he even going to be on the team the entire season? Where's the shooting going to come from? Where's the perimeter defense going to come from? But none of these questions actually matter if LeBron and Anthony Davis don't stay healthy like they did during the 2020 season when the Lakers won the championship. And that is, right? That's, that's the big question because we don't know a lot about what this team looks like as this new iteration, they're almost a brand new team because that 2020, that 2020 team that won the title is completely different from the team that we're going to see this year. Yeah, the only two members of the 2020 team are LeBron and AD. That's it. They disassembled an entire championship team over the course of now going into three seasons, which is extremely unusual. There were some you know, unique circumstances like the pandemic and the, and the crazy NBA calendar, things like that but also some pretty uh, strange decisions, like, for example, bringing in Russell Westbrook. So there, there's a lot uh, that the Lakers still have to figure out, and there's been no continuity ever since they won that championship. But you know, the, the clock is ticking on the, that window that they were looking to have with LeBron James still playing like one of the best players in the league. I'm curious, uh, do you think they learned any lessons from that like they built a really good championship roster. And then since then they have just been swimming and adding only guards and centers. Do you think that they have, um, do you think they've learned any lessons of roster building in the last two years? Or this is, are we just completely heading the other direction in, in LA? 
Mike, learning lessons is for the have-nots of the NBA world. It's, it's not what it's not what a team like the Lakers do. Um, they they don't have to learn anything. The stars and the talent come to them. If you have to look at the track record of this organization over the last ten years, and you know more specifically under uh, Rob Palinka, who runs the basketball department, and Jeannie Buss, who is the ultimate shot caller. I would say learning lessons has not been their strong suit. What give me give me just maybe like two bullets, three bullets. Like, what's the biggest reasons why Russell Westbrook just has not worked at all in LA? Well, it's, it's pretty easy to see that it's not working, but why? It's that bank um, shot. To be to be fair to Russ, <laughs> to, to be fair to Russ, last year there was very little continuity, and LeBron and AD, uh, you know, the the superstars that he was going to be looking to play alongside they were far less available than he was. And Russ was often left to be kind of the focal point and best player on a team of very poorly assembled role players uh, with a lot of flaws. And that wasn't really what he was brought in to do in the first place. That being said, Russell Westbrook is a ball-dominant, non-outside-shooting non-defense playing uh, superstar who's used to being very heliocentric, everything revolving around him, and he's paired alongside LeBron, who is a far better version of that. And there were adjustments that LeBron, I mean, that really everybody needed to make, but Russ in particular needed to. He claimed that he did over the course of the year and that he wrapped his arms around the adjustments being asked of him. I didn't see that. (laughs) That's not what it looked like to me on the outside looking in. Um, I saw him making certain concessions, but he looked very unhappy about doing it. It was always going to be an awkward fit on paper, but the best case version of all of this would have been these guys learning how to play off each other and then the talent offsetting a lot of the fit questions. Um, if guys stay healthy this year, I do think it's going to be better with Russ, regardless of the fact that it's never going to be perfect, just because LeBron and AD being there fixes a lot of issues for this team. Russ became an avatar for everything that went wrong last year because it was a very polarizing trade to begin with. It was a trade that I thought was a very unnecessary big swing. But that being said, it wasn't really always fair to Russ. Let's move over to Chicago. Uh, not the next biggest market, but maybe the next biggest, most notable team on our list here uh, with shots, shots to the Knicks. Um, what's the biggest question for the Bulls going into the season? Um, I, I think the biggest question coming into Chicago this year is, uh, are our young guys going to take that next step, right? We, we went out and we got some really nice pieces um, last offseason that – all of a sudden move us into playoff contention, right? You're talking about DeMar Rose. Appreciate you guys for that, by the way, Andy. Uh, Russ over DeMar's great pick. Um, but okay. uh, that, you, you, <laughs> I don't want to get too in the weeds on this, but I don't think that deal that DeMar, DeMar DeRozan has spent a lot of time over the last year talking about how he thought he was going to become a Laker, that you know it was he was under the impression this was a done deal. It's weird for me to say this about somebody who, by all rights, should know more about what was going on in his own career than me. <laughs> but 
I don't think that thing was nearly as close as DeMar thinks it was. The math's not mathing on that one. It, the math I, it, it would have been mathing. extremely complicated to do. Hey, listen, the math math's perfect for me because he's in Chicago. That's all it comes down to. You know what I mean? Like, listen, the worst signing of the offseason broke a Wilt record last season. So oh. I, I think you have all of those pieces right on this team. Nikola Vucevic, I think you have to adjust his role a little bit with the team, and he's got to get used to being a third option. But at the end of the day, right, Acme drafted Patrick Williams fourth overall. Um, that's very high to go after a guy who's been first season, looked okay defensively, didn't know if he was going to have a big offensive game. Second season, he gets hurt, did kind of come back in at the end of that season and get some big offensive numbers, right? But you don't draft guys fourth overall and not say, this guy is going to be a cornerstone of our franchise. In fact, in the all-access today that the Bulls dropped, right, they talked about it. They feel like Patrick Williams has the ability to be an elite player. So first question you have to answer is, is Patrick Williams going to take that step towards being an elite player? Um, it doesn't mean he has to average 22 this season, but he does have to move forward. And that's the thing that you look around with other teams, right? And you see those championship teams, those young pieces take steps, right? The the Milwaukee Bucks become a championship contender. The second Giannis Antetokounmpo turns into Giannis Antetokounmpo, right? Like the second Joel Embiid becomes Joel Embiid. Those are the moments where those players, all of a sudden you look at them and you say, now that's a team that is a contender. I think those young people, you have good pieces there with Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, Nikola Vucevic, but those young pieces, Io DeSumo included, Kobe White possibly have to take that next step and start, you know, paying off for the spots that they were drafted in. I owe a little different. He was a second round pick. Anything we get on the positive side is great, but let's go to New York. The New York Knicks have made a couple of moves in the offseason, some of them notable, some of them, one of them, the longest running free agency saga that maybe ever happened in Jalen Brunson. What's the biggest question for the Knicks going into this year? Uh I I think it it sort of relates to Brunson in a way, but do the Knicks have an identity this year? And if they do, what is it? Uh, because I think that they're sort of in this weird limbo where they have Tom Thibodeau still as the head coach of this team. His stated mission is to win as many games as possible. Uh, some, myself included, might argue that his means of getting there are a little suspect. Uh, he seems very married to a group of good, but perhaps not great veteran players that he seemed to have his trust, which has buried a group of good, some might say great, young players that the Knicks have on their roster that really showed out last year. He also is not very willing to try new things. Uh, you know, he, he has kind of a rigid way of looking at things. Brunson might help in many ways with that finding an identity thing. The Knicks haven't really had a point guard that they could rely on. Uh, for a really long time, you know, they went from Alfred Payton for two years to then the corpse of Kemba Walker last year, followed by Alec Burks, who is still not a point guard. Uh, no matter how much Tibbs wanted to start him in that spot, they had Emmanuel quickly on the roster, still have Emmanuel quickly on the roster, but seem to have more or less buried him now uh, as far as getting point guard minutes. So clearly Tibbs does not view him as a point guard. So they went out and finally got their guy in Brunson. Um, but you know, you're, you're stuck in this weird limbo where it's like Julius Randall clearly was on the court, visibly frustrated about RJ Barrett taking on a more active role last year, this off season, you give RJ his rookie extension, make him as of next summer, the highest paid player on the team. So clearly with that comes some expectation that he's going to be the top option again this year, potentially. How does that mesh with, with Julius who saw himself as the top option? last year and really wasn't happy with not being that 
Um, how do the Knicks prioritize these young guys and try to get the minutes before they have to make more contract decisions next year? Because it's coming up very quick. Next This time next year, they're going to have to decide if they want to extend Emmanuel quickly and Obi Toppin in a similar manner to what they just did with RJ Barrett. So there, there's just a lot of questions. I mean, again, it's I feel sort of like uh, with the Lakers, it's hard to distill down to just one question here. But, um, <laughs> you know, I, I think it's mostly comes down to identity. What do the Knicks want to do? Do they want to be a young team? that tries new things and gets this promising young course of minutes and, and see what they can do with it. Even if it comes with a few less wins attached, which I'm not even sold that that would be the case over some of the vets that they're playing. Or do they want to just keep doing it the Tibbs way and say, well, these five guys that start get 35 minutes and to hell with everything else. Um, I don't know. I guess we'll see. Julius Randle was second team all NBA, not this past mm. season, but the year before, like mm. the Knicks made the playoffs. Julius Randle, second team all NBA last year, the Knicks fans at certain points were booing him. What, give me the quick, what's the biggest reason why he went from one of the top, like for all intents and purposes, 10 players in the NBA to out of it and getting booed by his own fans. Um, I, so one thing with Knicks fans, I think that they get a little bit of a tough rap as far as being too tough on players. Honestly, Julius, when the team and the team in general, when the fans were booing, deserved it. I mean, they were dogging it. I mean, it was terrible. They they started like five and one, I think, last year and then went on just a horrendous stretch after that. And we're playing like barely 500 ball against a really easy schedule early on in the year. And then it showed out later on that, you know, once their schedule got harder for the second half of the year, they completely fell apart. Uh, which, you know, it was just kind of a, a byproduct of the fact that like their starting lineup that Tibbs again married himself to for like the first like 30 games of the season was just not good. They were getting outscored by like 15 points per hundred possessions or something. Like it was insanely bad. They were by far the best five or the the worst five-man unit in the NBA by that measure. And we're getting the most minutes of any five-man unit in the NBA. It was just completely asinine. Um, but as far as Randall and what happened, I mean. The, the short answer is, at least in my estimation, fans came back. He wasn't playing in an empty gym anymore, and his shooting percentages went down. We saw this happen to a lot of players last year, uh, and I, I think that that just happened. And that combined with then once his shots weren't going down, once he thought he wasn't getting the foul calls he deserved or whatever, he sort of shut down in his own way. And then the fans start seeing him dogging it on defense and hijacking the offense and stuff like that. And that didn't go over well. So it was just kind of this recipe where it just turned into almost like a vicious cycle where Julius wasn't playing as well. And then the fans said, boo, you stink. And we want Obi Toppin to play <laughs> who never plays. And then Julius said, well, screw you guys. Then like, you know, I, I I'm going to dog it even harder. And it just kind of <laughs> turned into this, like this vicious cycle of Julius, like trying to one up himself all year, not playing hard. And the fans getting more and more aggravated with him and wanting Obi Toppin to play more and more. Our like suck now. our last team represented here the portland trailblazers they have damian lillard still made some moves in the offseason but mike richmond what's the biggest question for the blazers this year probably is damian lillard still damian lillard um last season he only played in 29 games he was the worst that he has been since his rookie season shot just 32 percent from three his counting numbers are kind of fine he averaged 24 and 7 um it would be a nice thing for all of us to average 24 and 7 in the nba and like suck and i, I think it's pretty clear <laughs> that damian lillard was bad and still almost put up 25 and 8 um it's a good basketball player uh one of the 75 greatest of all time take that dwight howard um <laughs> <laughs> but uh, 
uh, you know, he, he had core <laughs> surgery on December or in January. He didn't play after December 31st last season. Um, he, when he was last healthy, he was one of the five best offensive players in the league. And the biggest question for the Blazers is, does he show back up and be one of the five best offensive players in the league? Because if he's not, if he's the 13th best offensive player in the league, this is probably a pretty bad basketball team. So they, their chance to be competitive in a, in a really brutal Western conference is, do they have the stars to do it? Like, is their star that guy? Um, often in the regular season, that's how you get carried is either your top tier talent or your depth. This team doesn't have a lot of depth, so it's going to be top tier talent. Coming up, how will the season be different than last year for some of these teams with some really big questions, all of them with more than one question, according to all of you, how will this season be different than it was last year? We'll talk about that with our locked on NBA roundtable coming up. Coming up, it's the Josh Lloyd Fantasy Minute. The biggest names from the big names, big questions group that you should keep an eye on in fantasy basketball this year. The Lakers? I don't know. I, just, I don't know. Russell Westbrook's the big question mark. He literally has a floor value of playing zero minutes. What if he gets traded, team buys him out, and then no one signs him? It's possible. So he's a really, really late pick to me. I think Damian Jones and Kendrick Nunn are okay as last round guys, whereas the risk with Davis and LeBron, of course, is just miss games. And that's always going to be the case. It appears anyway. For Atlanta, I do think that DeJounte Murray takes a hit next to Trey Young, a bigger hit than what Trey does, although Trey does lose a little bit of um a little bit of usage there with DeJounte coming across. John Collins is pretty steady. I'm not big on DeAndre Hunter. And I don't think. I could be wrong on this. I don't think that the Hawks are going to make a massive switch and start uh, a Kongwu over Capella at any point this season. Maybe they get a good deal for Clint, but I, I honestly think that a Kongwu is still going to be in a 20, 22-minute-a-night role backing up Capella, which does limit his overall fantasy upside. For the Bulls, yeah, the Lonzo ball injury is bad. I wouldn't take him until my last pick and only if I've got an injured spot to do that. And they probably do start uh, Ayo Desunmu in that spot. But with Desunmu, Caruso, White, and Dragic there, the actual minutes upside for Ayo is pretty low. And that means his upside in fantasy is not that big. DeRozan, I think, takes somewhat of a step back while Vooch maybe takes somewhat of a step forward from where he was last season. And I'm not massively encouraged with Patrick Williams either. For the Knicks, what we love about Jalen Brunson is the minutes that Tibbs is going to get him. One thing I would watch for is the, the center situation. I think Isaiah Hartenstein's a better player than Mitchell Robinson. And if Tom Thibodeau buys into that, then he's going to become a really good late round steal guy. RJ Barrett's at risk of going too early in category league drafts because he lacks so much in rebounds, assists, steals, blocks, threes, field goal, and free throw percentage. That's really detrimental in a category league. So just watch that one as well. While I would have loved uh, to see what Emmanuel quickly can do, I just don't know that the minutes are necessarily going to be there. For Portland, I expect a drop in usage for Jeremy Grant from last season. I also expect Anthony Simons to drop in usage. And I think both of those guys are later round players. Nurkic gets it done without usage. So he's an okay center. And it does become hard to find good centers in the middle to late round. So he works there. While I'm all in on Damian Lillard as a first round guy after last season's disaster. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, 
You deserve an ice cold reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. here for another episode of the Ultimate Pro Basketball Preview 2022 presented by Odyssey and the Locked On Podcast Network. Before we continue with our big names, big questions roundtable, here's Odyssey's Trista Crick of the Heat Check Podcast on which team's outlook will take a step forward from last year. The team that's going to be the most different going in from last year to this year is very, very obvious if you look at this grouping, right? Uh, it's the Blazers. They have uh, a healthy Damian Lillard now. Hopefully they don't shut him down for the year again. That would be a big surprise. I hope that they're not tanking again intentionally. That was probably the most, I don't know, embarrassing, obvious, blatantly disrespectful, whatever you want to call it, tank we might have ever seen in the NBA. Like they just shut everyone down for broken toenails. It was like from the OKC level to a whole nother stratosphere, right? And I, I guess the question is, how different does Dame look with Anthony Simons? That's going to be very different. How different? I have no idea. You've got a very happy Nurkic now that he got paid, thanks to Clutch Sports. You've got a Jeremy Grant, who is one of the better defenders in the league when he's been healthy. You've got a very long, rangy Nasir Little, a Josh Hart. Guys that really fit in with what I think Chauncey Billups wants to do, which is have heart, have intensity, be able to like defend. And... Hopefully Damian Lillard does some defending too because that's been his major, major weakness and something that's hold, held them back in the postseason and in the regular season because they were the bottom of the barrel defensively for a very long time. So I think this team's a very ways away, but they're still like another level up from disrespectfully tanking. Back into the Ultimate Pro Basketball Preview 2022, the Locked On NBA Roundtable. Again, we have our hosts here covering these teams five days a week on their own YouTube channels as well as the podcast Big names, big questions. How will this season be different for some of these teams? We'll start with we'll start with the Knicks because the last two years have been maybe besides the Lakers the most different in making the playoffs, being the Bing Bong like real exciting Knicks team that everybody was excited for in New York to missing the playoffs, players getting booed and all that. How will this season be different for the Knicks? I mean, actually, if we're going to be technical about it, last year's team was the Bing Bong team. The, <laughs> true, the, true. The team prior to that, I guess, was the <laughs> F. Trey Young team. Uh, <laughs> it would be that one. Respectfully. Um, <laughs> respectfully. But, <laughs> respectfully, F. Trey Young. But anyway, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I think the biggest difference comes back to, again, Jalen Brunson, you know. How much are they going to entrust him to run this team? How ready is he to run this team? I mean, honestly, I, I was very impressed with him last year. And I'm sure you, Nick, know as Same. the host of Locked On Mavericks, know this better than anybody. But <sighs> he, he filled in great when Luka Doncic was out in that first round series against the Utah Jazz, and like really had sort of a star turn in that series. If if that holds up, uh, so is he ready to do that on a consistent basis? But like more importantly, is Tibbs going to trust him to do that, and and is Tibbs going to empower him to do that over, say, Julius Randle, who has had a certain expectation of taking the ball up and initiating the offense himself, which unfortunately a lot of times results in ISOs and not very pretty <laughs> basketball. Um, so are they willing to embrace a style where they can better take advantage of the fact that like Brunson in theory is sort of the perfect 
uh, Tom Thibodeau point guard in that he can get into the paint, but unlike Alfred Payton or Alec Burks or anyone else that they've employed at the point guard spot in the last few years, he can not only get into the paint, but can actually finish there. He's like one of the best finishers in the entire NBA. Hold on, those names that you just mentioned, what are the Knicks point guards last couple of years? Alfred Payton, Kemba Walker, Alec Burks. Derrick Rose. Oof. Pretty bad. <laughs> Pretty Derrick bad. Rose. <laughs> Not on uh, his birthday, man. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, Derrick Rose as well. I mean, Rose is still on the team, but I'm talking like the starting point guards, uh, which Rose right. was never in that conversation uh, since he's yeah. been with the Knicks, uh, even though he should have been that first year. But uh, anyway, I digress. I, I think it all comes down to like Jalen Brunson. Are you going to trust him to run the offense and set up his teammates? Uh, is Julius Randle willing to buy into that? That's a big question. I think one thing we've learned about RJ Barrett, which is great, is that he's willing to conform to multiple different roles. So he had a great campaign in 2021 as more of an off-ball guy and a guy that was hitting just tons of spot-up threes and things of that nature. And then last year, got entrusted with being more of an offensive engine down the stretch and did really well in that role too. So I think he's versatile. I think he's coachable. I think it mostly comes down to like how do you balance this big new addition in Jalen Brunson with the incumbent of Julius Randle and what his expectations are for himself as it pertains to his role with the team. Uh, so I, I think that's the biggest difference because if if Randall is willing to take a backseat more often and not be the focal point of the offense, I think he has a lot to offer as a guy that can be a role man in pick and roll situations, things like that. And that could be very beneficial to the Knicks if he's willing to take on a more complimentary role and let Brunson sort of be the initiator. The team that hopes the most that their season is not what it was last year, the Los Angeles Lakers. <laughs> Andy, tr- try to answer this question. How will the Lakers season be different than it was last year from like completely missing the playoffs to what LeBron always expects his teams to do? And uh, yeah, how will it be different? Uh, besides exceptionalism? Um, <laughs> I think that's, sometimes that's all we got is exceptional. sometimes it is all we have. Um, I mean, there's a few obvious things, better health across the board, uh, Darvin ham as first time head coach, holding these guys attention, holding them more accountable, getting them to play like they actually give a bleep, um, about the regular season before like game 70. But like the biggest key above everything else is just Anthony Davis, not just being healthy and available all year but being a bleeping monster. Like the biggest X factor is him looking closer to the guy in the bubble when the Lakers won the 2020 title, as opposed to the last couple seasons when he's been like, eh, all-star-ish, maybe third team all NBA, but not like a guy that is going out, just wrecking shop. Like somebody who's easily a top 10 player, sometimes looks like top five or higher. Some would say top 75 all time. Some would say top 75 Take that, Dwight Howard. You hear that, Dwight Howard? (laughs) (laughs) Former two-time Anthony Davis teammate, Dwight Howard. (laughs) But That's the only thing he's got going for him, is that it? And, like, look, AD, some of what he did in that title run, I don't think can be replicated. Like, his jump shooting numbers were so far above their averages. Um, you know, whether behind the arc or in the mid range, but if he can get closer to that version and just being a guy that's more decisive, more aggressive, somebody that's telling everyone, even LeBron at times, get the F out of my way. I'm taking over. He becomes unguardable. He, this is on top of what he can do as one of the best and most unique defensive players in the league. Like for the Lakers to reach their ceiling, however high you think it is, 
Nobody's more important than that than AD. Not LeBron, not a newly reborn Russell Westbrook. <laughs> it's AD, and it's not even close. Plus, if AD doesn't become that guy this year, it's not just ramifications for this season. It's ramifications for the Lakers for the future. Because mm. it's like, by now, you kind of expected AD to be that guy. And if he isn't that guy, you need to start thinking about what are we doing a couple of years from now when presumably LeBron has retired and AD's like 31. Is he the franchise face? Are you extending him? Are you needing to find somebody better than him to pair with him? So th there's a lot on the line for AD this season and by extension for the Lakers. Mike Richmond, the Portland Trailblazers were a team that was essentially on a 50-win like pace a couple years ago. And then they went last year to a team that I don't know about you guys. At certain points, I didn't know like multiple players on their starting lineups. When they would come to Dallas, I would go in there and say, who is Trenton Wofford? Like, what, what am I watching right here? And there are just certain players that I didn't even know. How will this year be different than the, the essentially tanking team that the Blazers had last year? Yeah, I mean, they, they finished the season losing 21 of 23 on purpose. Uh, with all due respect to the gentlemen that were on the court at that time, the, the front sure. office tried to lose those games, and they affected, they did, um, except for one win in Detroit that Blazer fans were extremely upset about. Um, <laughs> but hey, what, what are you going to do? Uh, everything's going to be different. This is basically for the first time in a decade, the Damon Lord-CJ McCollum pairing is no more, and we've got a new group it feels a little similar, I'll be honest. The Damon Lord <laughs> and Anthony Simons group feels pretty similar to what I'm used to out here. Two really good offensive players that are below average defensive players, but they've upgraded the athletes around them. Jeremy Grant is a big upgrade at forward. Josh Hart is an upgrade in athleticism. If Nazir Little takes a step, that's another like three and D type wing that they just they really haven't had. Yeah. Um, the the in theory they have a similar core that has been, or a similar like style that's been good. Two really good offensive guards, Yusuf Nurkic, that team has typically won somewhere between 45 and 48 games, but now they've upgraded the wing core to be a little bit better. They don't have a ton of depth. They, you know, they have seven or eight NBA players on the roster and then a bunch of question marks and some young players in the back half like Shaden Sharp and Keon Johnson that are just who knows what they're going to be. But What's going to be different is that they have a some some options to guard other teams' best players. You mentioned the Dallas Mavericks when when Luca would come to Portland, it was like, who's going to guard Luca? I don't know, Norman Powell. I don't know. Like, <laughs> good luck. They have answers to that question now. Like, it it can be Josh Hart. It can be Jeremy Grant. No one's going to really guard those guys. Like, <laughs> you know, the the Kawhi Leonard's, the LeBron Jameses of the world. That's tough. But they finally have someone who you can point to on the roster who, one, you know their name, which is going to be super useful for someone it's like nice. Nick. And two, <laughs> like it is a reasonable answer to the question, like a reasonable answer to the question defensively. What is really going to be different is like the short answer. This is nothing, but I wanted to make this a good podcast. So everything, it's a whole new, it's a whole new <laughs> world out here in Portland. The Chicago Bulls were, at the, were the number one team in the East for a while last year. Yeah. DeMar DeRozan was going on his run, and then all of a sudden, at a certain at a certain point in the year, they just started to trail off. And then the playoffs, you know, we saw what happened when they just couldn't make it out of the first round. What's going to be different about the Bulls this year, Pat? Uh, health. A healthy Zach Levine is the biggest difference, right? Zach Levine was one of the top scorers in the NBA. You saw him start to slowly improve his defensive game. Um, and then all of a sudden, right, his knee just 
had some issues. Simple cleanup. They went in there, cleaned it up, right? Zach Levine looking back to being 100% healthy, and that makes a big difference. They had one of the best. Uh, they kept saying it was a backcourt, but it's not right. Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan isn't a backcourt, <laughs> but they, they kept saying that one of the best backcourts, right? Um, but between Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan, right in the fourth quarter, those two guys were two of the best players in the NBA. Uh, the Bulls were a top defensive team when that team was healthy. And I think that's really just what it comes down to, right? Like health is the biggest thing that changes this team season. And you have some young pieces on this team that, like I said, really surprised you. Ayo DeSumo was one of the best defenders, not among rookies last season, among the entire NBA last season, stopping a lot of your top point guards in the NBA and, and really making them struggle. Trey Young got a half a basketball off on him, you know, if, if we're going back to the F Trey Young uh, topic there. Uh, you know. <laughs> so it, I, I, I really respectfully, I, I really think the uh, the biggest thing for the Bulls this season is just that one, they have hopefully health on their side. And two, there's a lot of guys that had no playoff experience that now have it, right? Like last season, the only guys that had playoff experience on the team was Nikola Vucevic and DeMar DeRozan. Zach Vooch Levine Vooch got, a, got a lot of playoff experience getting knocked out by the Raptors. Caruso had a, had a, pre, had a, some oh, well, Alex yeah. Caruso as well. Alex Caruso as well. Yeah. <laughs> a championship, man. Yeah, a championship experience. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. And then, Closed and then out game six. And then the addition of uh, Tristan Thompson, I guess we can count that at the end of the season. Or, no, uh, but well, he's got a lot of experience. <laughs> he's got a, just experience in general. <laughs> so, you know, like your main pieces needed that experience and they weren't able to get it on previous teams. And now, the Chicago Bulls have that. Zach Levine has that. Um, Ayo DeSumo has that. Patrick Williams has that. But that that mixed with the continuity and coming back into a season where now the Bulls understand what it's like not only to be the hunted uh, because they were the hunted for half the season, but also the hunter trying to get back to that position. I think that's going to really increase uh, how this team is going to play. And I have higher hopes than most of the national nerds do for my Chicago Bulls. No bias <laughs> do, there at all. Does more than one team on this show make the playoffs? Uh, what, does play who's, in count? I think, who's ex I think who's expecting does. their team to make the play? The playoffs. Yeah. Are the Lakers going to make the playoffs? Top um, six, top six, or just they get in in, in the, the tournament? One of the eight teams in the tournament. I think they're going to get in. Yeah. Yes. With health, yes. Yeah. Do the Knicks with, make the playoffs? With health last year, they yeah. would have made it in. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, true. Absolutely. I, I think the Knicks. I struggle to say that they're going to for sure win out of the play in, but I could see a world where they end up the 10th or the 9th. Whether they advance beyond that, I don't know. That sounds like a no to me, y'all. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm, these, I'm these conferences are tough, though. You think they go 10 No, because yeah. the East is really tough. Yeah, the, the East, East is, is really it, tough. It's very tough. I mean, you know, it, there's some sleeper teams. Like if, like, the Wizards, for example, sort of coalesce a bit, like, uh, Porzingis, uh, much as it pains me to admit, was actually great one too. <laughs> so the Wizards last yeah. year, much to the chagrin of myself and Nick, uh, you know, he was actually pretty good once he went to the Wizards. So I've seen goes, him be good in twenty game stretches before. That's this is nothing. This is nothing, <laughs> this is nothing new to me. You and I both. Then, then the low blood iron content kicks in, and then you know we see where it goes from there. But uh, <laughs> he does have a beard though, which makes me think that he may come back with like some. It's like evil Porzingis. Beard, you know? Bearded Zingy is different. Is that what we're saying? <laughs> evil Beal and evil KP. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> but so. Uh, yeah, I mean, if he and Beal, you know, coalesce, maybe things, you know, they end up one of those teams. Like the yeah. Bulls, I think, are going to be in that conversation of the six to six to ten, anywhere in that general range. Yeah, you know, it's a really good point. Both conferences <laughs> yeah. are really deep. 
Yeah. Like, yeah. There, there are not a lot of just flat out bad teams in either conference. No. There's three really bad teams in the West, but that's it. Um, OKC, Houston, and San Antonio we, are really bad. In this Odyssey preview, I put, I was the one that decided the groups. I put the Jazz in the Tankers group, and David Locke told me to my face they're going to make the play in. No. David Locke is being a homer. <laughs> yeah, I know who signs David Locke's checks. I mean, I know who signs my checks, so I'm going to be cool. But like, I, uh, I come on now. Uh, I'll, I'll say this, right? A healthy Colin Sexton could surprise the West a little bit. I don't know it, if it gets you all the way to the playoffs. It's not but like they you have essentially players, trade, right? Like, you essentially yeah, traded they have good Donovan Mitchell for younger Donovan Mitchell. Is David yeah. under the impression there's a play into the play in? This year? <laughs> I think isn't that the first like eighty two games? <laughs> it's I don't the think it's outrageous the Jazz could be tenth, but like the Jazz's ceiling is something like ninth, right? Like it's I think it's their, pretty yeah. outrageous. Well, yeah, yeah. It, the Jazz are. I mean, not to go too far down the rabbit hole, the Jazz are hard to predict because you don't even know what the Jazz are going to be, yeah. right, before the trade deadline. Larry exactly. Marketing Day. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> Um, I'd be curious. I don't think the Blazers are a playoff team, probably because the West is too good. But I'm curious um, the, for the three of you. Or do you view this team as a playoff team or kind of like what their ceiling might be? I see them as 10, right? Like I, I, I kind of already pencil them in. It's it's let's well, we can count them up, right? It's Suns, Grizzlies, Warriors, just going from last year, not, not yeah. necessarily in any order. Suns, Grizzlies, Warriors, that's three. Mavericks, Nuggets, the Timberwolves, Clippers, and Pelicans are all going to make it, right? That's eight teams. Then you throw in, then you have to choose. The, these are the last two teams to make the play in Lakers, Kings, Blazers. I think that's, that, those are the last teams. And I think the Blazers are better than the Kings this year. Don't so the Lakers the will be in there. Don't forget the Jazz is the fourth team. Well, the, the last teams remaining are the, the Jazz, Spurs, Thunder, and Rockets. And yeah, I mean, all, the three of those all due respect to Colin Sexton and Larry Markinen and them, but he's got it. <laughs> no, I, I think Portland is an interesting team to me because of the, addition of Jeremy Grant, right? I want to see kind of yeah. if there's going to be any pick and roll between him and Dame, because to me, right, the last time Dame Lillard really was his biggest threat in the NBA was when he had LaMarcus Aldridge opposite of him. Now, I'm not saying Jeremy Grant's anything near LaMarcus Aldridge, but I think with a great point guard, right, like the one advantage that the Knicks have, I think, is if Julius Randle does buy in and Jalen Brunson's what he's advertised to be, that's a heck of a pick and roll combination. I think that's what can make Damian Lillard the most dangerous, a healthy use of Nurkic and a Jeremy Grant that kind of fills in that role. I think you could see them as a playoff team, yeah. but it would have to be Damian Lillard <laughs> being Damian Lillard for yeah. 82 games in a row. Tell him what time how, it is, Mike. Tell him what time it is. How much does Portland improve <laughs> defensively? And right. you know, having Jeremy Grant there, having Josh Hart there, I, I think you know if Nurkic can stay uh, healthy the entire season, that yeah. will help. But you know, when you've got a backcourt of Lillard and Simons, yeah, you know that's you're starting behind the eight ball there. So can the rest of the guys offset that? Because theoretically, offense shouldn't be a problem for this team at all. Yeah, and yeah. I think that. I think uh, their ceiling uh, is something like fifth, but fifth, that's like literally everything breaking right, right? Like that is, um, that's probably eighty games of Nurk and no one else yeah, getting hurt, yeah. and it's all it's like that's. I think realistically, they're the tenth best team in the West, so somewhere in there. I was just gonna say, I mean, I'm the biggest Jeremy Grant fan going. Like, I really love Jeremy Grant, so I like. I think their starting lineup is awesome. I think the biggest problem, and you sort of alluded to it, is like if they don't stay healthy, I don't feel. Like looking over the depth chart, I'm like, uh, what depth part yeah. of that chart? 
you know, I, don't, I just don't think the depth is very good. You know, yeah, that, you get that to be... eight, nine, ten, and it's like, uh oh. Yeah, exactly. You know, you get outside of the the top couple subs, and you're like, Ugh, like if this team has like two injuries, you know, like they're kind of in in bad shape. And that that isn't even just if it's like Lillard that gets hurt. Like yeah. if anyone gets hurt, I would be very worried about this team. Uh, and they took probably the, one of the biggest projects in the draft in Shaden Sharp. So like. Right. There were potentially better contributors there that could have helped more with a a playoff push this year. I don't fault them for looking more towards the future with the sharp pick and saying let's get someone that could potentially step in here long term. But I mean, if if I'm looking at the Blazers, I think they're probably like a playing team because I I don't know that I trust Lillard to stay healthy for a whole year anymore either. You know, and I think that's going to be very key. Like if he misses like 20 games, that's 20 games you could reasonably chalk them in for potentially losing, <laughs> which yeah. would not be great. So. <laughs> well, legit. Thanks for joining us for the Ultimate Pro Basketball Preview 2022, the Locked On NBA Roundtable. All these guys are hosting five days a week on their Locked On NBA shows, covering their teams five days a week on YouTube and the podcast. Guys, thanks for hanging out with us on the Locked On Roundtable. Up next, it's nothing but bet. Matt Moore of Locked On NBA and the Action Network is here to help you take home some cash this NBA season with some betting angles. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Welcome back to the Ultimate Pro Basketball Preview 2022 presented by Odyssey and the Locked On Podcast Network. This is nothing but bet. I'm here with Matt Moore from the Action Network and Locked On NBA to talk about some of the betting angles of some of these teams. Now, Matt, these are the big names, big questions teams. So it's an amalgamation of just these teams that I didn't really know what to do with, but they all have some really big questions around them, starting with the Los Angeles Lakers. Their win total over under is 44 and a half, which seems high to me i know lakers odds always get inflated but is that one too high it entirely depends on how you answer the question of how many games lebron james and anthony davis going to play together that's like that's it okay because when those two have played together over the last three seasons they win 73 percent of their games they're a 50 win team plus when lebron Mm. and ad are on the floor together period last season right even with russell westbrook they were 11 and 10 which is going to be under this mark Right. But if you factor like, okay, I think the AD is finally going to be healthy. I think LeBron with some extra time off is going to be able to make it through a season. And I think the roster is a little bit better Then you probably lean a little bit to the, to the over here. I think it's a stay away based simply on, I don't want to bet purely on an injury factor, but a lot of things have to go right for the Lakers. It's a lean under because a lot of things have to go right for the Los Angeles Lakers, right? LeBron's got to stay healthy. AD's got to stay healthy. They have to figure out the Westbrook thing, either through trade or not playing him, or he plays better. You need Austin Reeves to play well. You need Kendrick Nunn to play well. You need Patrick Beverly to play. All of these ifs add up in the end to put value, I think, on the under. It's just that the ceiling is like 48, 49, and then you're like, "Uh, why did I bet against LeBron James? And if you're not scared of LeBron at age 450, then you should go ahead and, and fire away. I respect the King too much. I will pass on this with a lean to the under. 
And this is like a completely different Lakers team besides just that main three. Like the only rotation players they're bringing back are LeBron, Anthony Davis, Russell Westbrook, and then Austin Reeves. Like that's the only rotation players that are coming back for this team. Does that that change anything from last year to this year? Is it still just the main guys or the main problems? And that's why it's a stay away. So I think last year the plan was let's bring in veterans and that'll establish a floor, right? Like no matter what, it's going to be this good. And then it was not that good. It was much, much worse. This is much more of an unknown variable team. Okay. If Austin Reeves doesn't work out and everyone's very high on him for good reasons, he's looked great. Okay. If he doesn't work out though. Okay. Maybe Kendrick Nunn works out. Maybe some of the other young guys work out. They've got Lonnie Walker. They need, there's more unknowns, which adds to a higher upside. And if your floor is purely determined by LeBron and AD, then the upside guys can only really help because the bar was so low last year. You're basically counting on the an uncertainty principle to get you to the over, which makes me a little bit nervous. But that's like the argument here is basically these guys could theoretically, it's like this mystery box, right? It's like the, anything could be in the box. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, the worst team than last year could also be in the box. But that's kind of the thought process you have to go into when you're looking at this team. A healthy Anthony Davis could be in the box. Well, yes. but what else could be? Uh, the Atlanta Hawks, their over under on bet online is 46, just straight up 46. Uh, they make a big deal bringing in DeJounte Murray. They were a complete, uh, another team that was just a complete uh, disappointment last year after their, you know, Eastern Conference Finals appearance. What, do you, what are you thinking about with the Hawks going into the season? So I think the best value instead of playing the over-under is you get plus 165 right now, bet online for the division. That's probably going to be your the best value on the board. Um, you get, essentially, you get to bet the over, but with a better return. Because if they get 49 to 50 wins clear margin over the over they probably win the division miami lost pj tucker miami's got a lot of guys a lot of miles miami's floor is very high because of heat culture hashtag but <laughs> in general right the hawks ceiling is a lot higher with Dejounte murray the trade talks will continue the hawks have been actively just still trying to upgrade they're involved in the jay crowder talks as we were as we were record this so the hawks will do what it takes to kind of get there the Nate McMillan factor is a reason that maybe be a little bit hesitant. His track record with over-unders is a little bit shaky. But in general, the Hawks, if you buy into the fact that you're just like, yeah, DeJounte Murray and Trey Young work. If you buy into that, then I think, yeah, I believe in the over. But the best value there is plus 165. I got plus 190 if you shopped earlier in the summer. Uh, but plus 165 right now to win the Southeast Division, that to me is your best value. Don't go for conference odds. Don't go for, for for title odds. That's not where this team is. But they can absolutely win enough games in a really weak division to come out on top. Who else is giving you division odds right now? Who, who's, who's who else is talking about divisions, Matt Moore? The Chicago Bulls, their over-under is 41 and a half. Their over-under, which is seems low to me considering how good they were last year. They are going to be without Lonzo Ball for a while this season. But what's the value for the Chicago Bulls? So it's an over for me. I don't want division futures. I don't want to make the playoffs. I think you can probably put them in if you want to, if you can find it to play in bet. That's maybe something to kind of look in if they make the play in tournament. Mm. I like the over though. Uh, I just think this is, we've seen this before. The market tends to overreact sometimes when they are anticipating a drop off. Uh, if they're basically saying like everyone going into the summer was ready to bet the under on the bulls. It was bet the over on the bulls last year because the market underestimated them and now come back the other way. But the market kind of got ahead of itself. And now it's a 41 and a half. This is similar, honestly, however, to where the Knicks were last year because we all did the same thing. We wanted to bet the Knicks under. They dropped it to 500 and we were like, that's ridiculous. We're going over. And then the Knicks were way worse. 
But the talent level on Chicago is way higher than it was with New York. Uh, Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, Nikola Vucevic, who had a bad year last year, but not in ways that you can really say are age-related. Like, he missed bunnies. He missed layups. Vuce will be better offensively. Alonzo Ball situation, definitely worth the downgrade that they got because they were at 43.5, 42.5, got downgrade with Lonzo out. That matters. That does matter. But he still got Alex Caruso, Patrick Williams, a very well-coached team under Donovan. Donovan Bill and, Don- and Lonzo only played like 35 games last year. I mean, it's not like he played this entire season and now they're just going to be without him completely. So, yeah, that Chicago Bulls one is interesting that they just overcorrected on it and now it's, it's so low because they were the number one team in the East for a long time last year. And to just be like barely over a 500 team this year is, is a little interesting to me. Uh, speaking of those Knicks, though, they're over under this year's 39 and a half, according to Bet Online. Um, are the Knicks basically are the Knicks a 500 team or are they below 500? That's sort of the question here. It's interesting because I was expecting the market to kind of react a little bit more to the Jalen Brunson edition and the odds makers very predictably, honestly, if you once I thought about it, didn't like they were they were hesitant knowing that they can get over money no matter what on the Knicks because they're a popular team with a large market. Everybody wants to bet the over on the Knicks. Go New York, go New York, go. (laughs) Um, If you told me that Obi Toppin and Emmanuel quickly were going to play 20 minutes a night or more for this team, then I would say I want to bet the over. Tom Thibodeau's track record is poor. It's three and seven to the under. He basically went over in those early Chicago years and then the market drastically drastically overestimated what he would be capable of. He's underperformed consistently. So I think you have to, I lean towards the under here, but only very slightly. It's a very tight play. I think this number is accurate. I think this number is fair. Um, Don't want the division price. Don't want to make the playoffs. I don't really think this team's going anywhere. um, Mostly because I, I have real questions about the coaching. If there was a different coach in play, I might want to bet the over. That's how big a difference I think Tibbs makes. I've been looking around. I don't see Bet Online currently having first coach to be fired, but is Tom Thibodeau in those waters? If those numbers should start to, and those those odds should start to bubble up here. It's an interesting question. It's an interesting question. I I, I think where I, I kind of wind up on is there's better value if you were to, to to play that market. I think there's some other coaches that I'd be interested in playing. Um, I do think that there is expectations in New York to make the playoffs. And if it goes really badly, but at that point, what you really be looking for is a market for worse record. Like if the Knicks just bottom out completely, if this falls apart unexpectedly, um, your odds are going to get a great return on that. It's a long shot, but that to me is a better, a better value than trying to guess which coach is going to get fired. Cause I think we have several candidates this season. Uh, Tom Thibodeau coach of the year odds are plus 5,000, by the way, in Ooh. case, in case you're kids, you're trying to look that up. Uh, our last team here is the Portland trailblazers. Their over under is the same as the Knicks 35, 39 and a half is their over under win total. Uh, I don't know what to make of this Portland trailblazers team. I was talking with Mike Richmond earlier today about, about what, you know, what do we do? What's the starting lineup? And he gave it to me and I said, okay, well, what's the bench? And then he gave it to me and I said, okay, I'm taking the under on this. Is that the Ooh. safe bet? Or is there another bet? Yeah, so I like the over. I like the mm. over a, a little bit. Um, I've downgraded it from a max play to like a middle play for me. Um, if you're sub 39 wins in the West, you're essentially not competitive. But there's no really reason to think that the Blazers won't be competitive this season. Um, Damian Lillard went fully healthy, and he is fully healthy after that abdominal injury took so much away from him the last couple of seasons, and he still was a monster. He and Nurk have just kind of cranked out 50 wins. I think the defense is still bad. That's my hangup is that 
bottom 10 defensive teams have gone 55 and 21 to the under in the last 10 years. That's 76%. Hmm. So there's a good guiding mark. Do you think that the, the Blazers defense will be bottom 10 or any better? If you think it'll be any better than bottom 10, this is probably an, o- an over because they have so many weapons. Anthony Simons, Josh Hart, Shaden Sharp looks great, great early in preseason. There's a lot of upside offensively with this team. They're still going to be really bad defensively. It's a matter of how much you think it's going to be. I think the number is soft at 39 and a half. At 41 and a half, it'd be a stay away. At anything above that, I'm playing the under. But at 39 and a half, I do think there is value on the over for the Portland Trailblazers. You can find Matt Moore at the Action Network. He's uh, HP Basketball on Twitter, which you already follow him at this point. And uh, you can also follow him on Locked On NBA and Locked On Nuggets. Matt, thanks so much for hanging out with us. Thanks. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Ultimate Pro Basketball Preview 2022 presented by Odyssey and the Locked On Podcast Network. Don't forget, this is a six-episode series that will continue through October 17th, discussing every NBA team with the experts that know them best. Be sure to check out the rest of our series to make sure that you know the answers to your biggest questions in the 2022 NBA season. Tomorrow, the play-in hopefuls, the Sacramento Kings. They add Demonis Sabonis last year. What will that team look like this year? The Charlotte Hornets. Yeah, they don't have any questions around them right now uh, in LaMelo Ball. The Washington Wizards, Bradley Beal, Christoph Porzingis. What is it? The Detroit Pistons with Cade Cunningham. They add some young talent. And the Indiana Pacers, how good or bad can it get for the Pacers next year? Once again, I'm Nick Engstead. And until next time, thank you to our friends at Odyssey and to you for listening and watching. Find the Ultimate Pro Basketball Preview 2022 on the Odyssey app or your favorite podcast provider so you don't miss an episode. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.